Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as Bilelli visits with our old friend Jamie Kilstein, discussing life is in constant flux. What worked yesterday may not work today. The stuff you feed your brain is very important. Philosophical surfing... Avoiding those with all the answers and awaiting the awesome moment when we all realize we are all being screwed over by the same people. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 164. They keep flying by today. We have for the next four weeks. Actually, we're going to be releasing four episodes in the next four weeks. So we are intensifying our production for the next month. Don't get used to it. We're not going to do this too often. Unless you donate like crazy all of a sudden. Right. But these guys... (laughs) So yeah, basically you're going to get four episodes as a freebie thanks to the folks at MyBookie who are sponsoring these four and asking for, you know, in addition to the classic two per month, asking for two extra. So here we go saying thank you to those folks who make it possible. Four episodes brought to you by my bookie. You know, it's going to be football season again, and uh, I may have to play some action somewhere. Whatever am I to do? What if, I, what if my local bookie is not the one to be trusted and I need somebody to help me? Get my gambling. Yes, the old days of gambling with some shady character on a street corner are gone. The magic on the internet has made it so that you do not have to do such things. (laughs) And you don't have to be in Vegas either. You can do it all online. What? So these folks at MyBookie offer a whole bunch of options regarding football gambling. And NFL season is coming up, so here you go. My book is not just football, though. Baseball, NCAA football, tennis, golf, MMA, boxing, soccer, motorsports. You can pretty much gamble on anything. Sweet. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus, so you can double your first deposit. Use promo code. Rich, you want to give us the promo code? Taoist. T-A-O-I-S-T. To activate the offer. So visit MyBookie online today. That's M-I-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code DAOIST when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Well, thanks to these guys for these four episodes in a row. Also, thank you to our usual sweet folks keeping the lights on. Number one being Onnit, who has been with us forever, and they are awesome. I was just chewing on an Onnit Oat Mega Bar that kept me quite happy when I need a snack. Uh, Their elk bars are amazing. Speaking of snacks, 
Never mind all the supplement. Yesterday, actually, I was in a particularly foggy brain day and I went for Alpha Brain, which is always a rather pleasant option, especially for me because I don't drink coffee that much. Occasionally, occasionally, but not that much. So Alpha Brain was fun. Also, big shout out to grasslandbeef.com. There's Hell a prize waiting yeah. in the freezer for Mr. Rich Evers. Move There's over. steak coming over for you. So that's the one you already had, right? It's fairly awesome. Really awesome. I think these are, it's a little bit different kind of thing. We had the New York strips last time, which were delightful. That grassland beef, quite tasty. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, those guys are awesome. So if you guys do eat beef and you go for high quality, grass fed, all the good stuff. Grass fed makes a big difference. It is an interesting it really does. thing. I've been learning a lot about corn on feedlots and yeah nasty nobody needs that no so check these guys out they are they have been super sweet to us so please check them out um since we are giving shout outs might as well give a shout out to cold steel for the awesome crossbow that they sent me um Snor- speaking of coffee while i am not a huge coffee drinker so i do appreciate when this guy sent us some snorost.com Snorost are sweets. Again, they are listeners. They set up their own little coffee enterprise. High quality, sweet. The code is TAO, T-A-O, the number 18, for a discount. They Check roast them it, out. They cool it. They package it. They put it online. First come, first serve. Fresh out the door. Sweet guys. And again, if you buy coffee from anybody, might as well check them, right? Absolutely. They support us. And last but not least, shout out to Never Tap Gear, nevertapgear.com. They produce both uh, knee braces for avoid injuries while working out, some the awesome rush guard designed by Savannah and other good stuff, including a great jujitsu journal that I shall talk about in upcoming episodes. Of course, if you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. And having said all that, let's get the episode rolling. So a special thanks tonight for our pal and former guest, Jamie Kilstein, for letting us use this chat from the Jamie Kilstein podcast from earlier this year. It's a great conversation. You guys are going to dig it. And here we go. All right, uh, we started to have interesting conversation off air, and we should. You were like, "Hit record." Yeah, as it always happens, always. right? It's always, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Off air, you're like, "So that's the meaning of life," and then you hit record, and it's like, "It's hot outside today." <laughs> uh, so we were talking about we were talking about a couple of things. So I was telling you about sort of the new audience of this show mm-hmm. and how there are conservatives and independents and liberals and how that's cool. But then we were talking about sort of I mean I haven't really talked about this on the show but how instead of pitching the show I always felt so gross saying like it's in the middle because it's not um it's more of a political show for people who are sick of politics or who just want to have conversations or whatever and you brought up and I used to talk about this. Oh, this is such a – I love talking about this, the, the false equivalency about how, like, the worst on the left are as bad as the worst on the right or, the, or, or whatever. So w- w- what were you going to say about that? I think one of the tricky parts about those discussions is that people are either extremely aligned. It's like I'm 100% left or I'm 100% right or something along those lines. And then if they are not with – 
if they are not so perfectly aligned, then the automatic response is, okay, if you're not A, you're not B, then it means that you think A and B are the same. Right. And so it's like you're either an absolutist who believes that one side is 100% right and the other one side is 100% wrong, or you flip the roles and you are with the other side, but you're still an absolutist. Yeah. Or you are an extreme relativist where it's like, no, it's all the same. It's all just slightly different shades of gray. There are no differences. And it's like, no, man, I reject absolutism. But I also don't embrace this spineless relativism that try to portray, paint everything in one color, because that's not the case either. Yeah, I think what happens with the dialogue is so much of it is based off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. And as we're learning, the majority of human beings are not engaging in screaming fights on Twitter. But those loud voices are what's shaping the narrative. So what I mean by that is, like, policy-wise... I always thought it was bullshit when people tried to do the false equivalency. I remember when there was a shooter there was a shooter who like liked a Bernie Sanders page on his Facebook. Sure. And then there were people on the right that were like, This is just like the mosque shootings or just like whatever. And right. it's like, well, the mosque shootings are happening because someone wants to kill Muslims. Yeah. The guy liked the Facebook, he didn't kicking the door and was like universal healthcare motherfuckers and start like <laughs> mowing people down. Right. Like he wasn't doing it for social for the God of socialism or, yeah. or whatever. But where, what, what I'm learning where I think people are correct to make the equivalency is the, the rhetoric, the sure. screaming voices where it's like the people, the extreme people on the left will never be willing to hear conservatives out without calling them Nazis uh, and the extreme people on the right will never hear uh, liberals out without calling them like anarchists. I want to get into the definitions of those with you, by the way. Um, And so I think that's correct. But policy wise, I think it's, it's, it's disingenuous to say that the extremes are the same. They're not. And the thing though is uh, I find the whole discussion of, uh, on a bigger topic, I guess, is like related very much to what we're saying is labels in general. And, you know, specifically we're looking at political labels. But the very idea of just spending your time labeling people of you guys are these, you guys are that. Now, are there people who fit labels to a T? Of course there are. Totally. There's a reason why stereotypes exist because yeah. there are people who embody those stereotypes down yeah. to the last detail. Yes. But ideally... You want to relate to people as individuals, not as uh, you are the embodiment of ideology A or B. And when you relate to it, like, why is that people don't do it that much? Because it takes work. Because you have to have discussions with people about specific policies, and we have to talk about A, and then we have to talk about B. I've already stopped listening. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and so the discussion got way more nuanced rather than, oh, you said hey. So clearly you must be, belong to this camp, and I already know everything about this camp. Yeah. I can download my mental file of what it means to be people like you. Right. And the funny thing is that as people do that to you, they push you into that camp. Even yes. if you don't neatly fit in it, yep. you start getting into this defense mechanism where it's like, hey, if everybody say I'm like a hardcore lefty, even though I may not feel like I'm a hardcore lefty, I'm clearly closer to that. So in that sense... I guess I must find my tribe and yeah. I must join and fit in with well, the... They're going to defend you. And you also start to go, well, fuck you. Like if I have had incredible conversations with conservatives recently because we don't start off labeling each other. Yeah. But if 
you know, if we're talking, I've used this example before, but if we're talking about universal health care or how to fix um, the healthcare system in America, and I go to you, you want kids to, if you're against universal health care, and I go, you want kids to die. Yeah, right. Well, then the person's going to be like, well, fuck you. Because maybe that person doesn't want universal health care because he wants his kids to live. He's only known what having a good insurance policy for his family is. Yeah. He goes, why the fuck would I trust the government? They fuck up everything. Sure. Right? Whereas I see it as I want poor people to have free healthcare. But if we actually talk about it, then we can see the problems of both, which unfortunately I think is Obamacare has the problems of both. But like those conversations will never happen. Like if someone's only calling me a racist, then I'm kind of just going to be like, fuck off. Of course. Not, you know, um, what's funny about what you said is a lot of liberals get upset when you start to talk about seeing people as, you know, individuals as humans, because they think that wipes away it, it runs counter to the kind of identity politics, and I think there, I think there's a middle ground. I think the right goes, you know, identity politics is ruining everything, but they fail to recognize systematic oppression and and stuff like that. Of course. But then I think the left uh, kind of does play into the sort of victim mentality, and they will tell minorities like, "Oh, you're fucked," sure. and you're, you know, and and I wonder what the I mean, maybe you don't have a middle ground. Maybe you're on one side. But I I do wonder what the middle ground is because I know for me as a oppressed white straight male, once (laughs) I started being like – I mean I used to use like depression and mental illness Mm -hmm. just to be like I'll never accomplish anything. I'm a piece of shit. And then people on Twitter would be like you're great and that applaud me. And when I started kind of being like, no, I just have to work harder and and fuck this and had more of a Republican slash athlete mindset, it really – helped me. So what's the balance of um, recognizing people as individuals without sort of washing away, uh, you know, gl- fucking global injustice? No, and I think you're, you nail it. And, and that's why I tend to resist even the idea of considering something like personal responsibility, a Republican talking point, or social be. justice, a lefty talking point. Because right. the reality is, look, if you don't recognize that there have been historically systemic issues that do affect people's access to decent education, to being treated like a decent human. You know, if you don't recognize that and you're just saying, oh, come on, get over it. Uh, Slavery is over. Everything is fine. We all start from, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You are an asshole because you are, it's kind of like we start a race and your shoes are, your shoelaces are tied together and mine aren't. And we go, hey, we we both have to run 100 yards. What's the problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other hand, when you do play the whole victim, uh, oh, poor you is all society's fault. You're robbing people of the individual ability to ultimately say, yeah, I may have been given shitty cards. But who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, these are the cards I have. I'm use it so, to make me tougher. Exactly. Yeah. I can, it's a delicate balance because it's very easy to fall into one or the other, but it's really not that hard to look at both are real. Yeah. You, know, you do acknowledge that there are some systematic issues, and you do acknowledge that individuals have a choice. And, they, and one does not, doesn't have to kill the other. You know what no. I mean? It's like both are very obviously true. It's not even an issue that they are true. It's so plain and obvious that having to choose one or the other, it's kind of like saying, do you want to learn how to read or do you want to learn how to write? It's like kind of both are important and right. they go together. Right. You know, it's right, like, right. It, they're Too not bad, in, it tied your shoes together. So long. Yeah, it's like they are not in contradiction with one another. You know what I mean? It's like the fact that we make them a contradiction is weird. But it's, yeah, it's weird that this conversation doesn't happen more. Yep. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, because... <laughs> But it, 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 
it like when I first heard people when I was on like the super left and I would hear people talk about safe spaces and trigger warnings and stuff. I was like, oh, it's a bunch of like douchebag white writers for like the Atlantic. Um, and, you know, they've never had to struggle before and, and whatnot. But then actually listening to some of them and talk about the psychology behind like, no, we don't want to treat you like you are. We don't want to infantilize kids. We want you to struggle and learn and persevere and not see yourself as um, – I hate using the word victim, but not see yourself as like you're fucked yep. no matter what, right? Sure. And there, there's so much good to that. Um, but then at the same time, a lot of those people – who do speak about safe spaces or, or, or yeah. stuff like that or, or pulling yourself up by your bootstraps were people who were like born to a famous politician sure. and they're telling it to like the black woman on yeah. welfare. And it's like, okay, well you have to recognize that one of those childhoods and upbringings were easier, but these seem like things that like you can recognize both. But I think it Absolutely. goes back to what you were saying where once you're labeled this certain side, you just, you double down. Absolutely. And I think it's also you need to understand the context. You know, if you are the super wealthy white guy, you probably want to tone down a little the discussion of personal responsibility <laughs> yeah, with yeah, people yeah. who grow up in the ghetto. Sure. You probably want to show a little more empathy, even though the personal responsibility ultimately is true and is correct. Yeah. Tone it down because right. it really doesn't look good coming from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Vice versa, if you are the guy who comes from the ghetto and up the personal responsibility one and tone down a little because it's like we are... If you grow up in the ghetto, if you are around people who have know very well what that means, you have had that discussion a hundred thousand times. It's like we all know it what it means to be oppressed. We know know it to be what it means to be given shitty cards. Let's take a step forward. Yeah. Let's figure out what we can do about it. Whereas if you are the other guy coming in from luxury and talking about personal responsibility, you see where I'm going? It's yeah. like if one guy tells me about personal responsibility, he's awesome. If the next guy does, he's an asshole. Right. The message is the same, yeah. but the context is not. Well, and it's also like it's do the people born into privilege, are they just saying that to wash their hands of a problem and not have to think about poor people suffering? You right. know, like are they actually saying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps because they want that person to get better and to get help? Or are they just saying it because they don't want – to pay more taxes to fund public right. schools. You know, like when Jocko and like these Navy SEALs tell me to like get my shit together yeah. and make my bed, I'm going to be like, yup. Right. Cause like you've seen some shit, you yeah. know, I mean that guy's, he's still like a white guy, but it's sure. like he put himself through the shit. Yep. I am far more likely to li to listen to him or, you know, there are amazing like black activists who came sure. from fucking nothing. And yep. I mean, Obama's story is still sure. pretty fucking great. Um, and, do you think that we've had historically um, – what do you think it does take – maybe this is super naive um, and sounds like I still smoke weed. But like I feel like when you said the word empathy, I feel like lack of empathy is – relates to so many of our biggest problems. And I don't know. Maybe this is – maybe you put on your philosopher hat more than his, history where do you feel like – Lack of empathy comes from ignorance. Do you think it comes from fear? Do you think yeah. it comes from selfishness where people just are like, I got to take care of myself? Yep. Um, 
uh, has this always been a problem? Like, are, were there times where there was heightened empathy and love, or are there communities where there is, or is this always something we've dealt with? I think it's just human nature. I think is um, if you, <clears throat> it's an interesting process too because people can experience the same stuff and respond in very different ways. If you get abused, if you get kicked around, if you are on the receiving end of a lot of crap, many people will get understandably defensive because now there's a wound there and they will get aggressive. And if anybody comes close to touching the wound, they will snap. And, you know, it's almost the sad, stereotypical story of the person who's abused who then become an abuser, yeah. right? Then there's the other side, because this is not automatic. You know, this happens a lot, but there's also the opposite happens, where people who experience a lot of pain, who are on the receiving end of a lot of crap, who miraculously manage to transform that into greater empathy, into yeah. being a nicer person, because you know what it means to suffer like that, and you don't want to pass it to somebody else. Right. The cards you are given are the same. The way you play them are completely opposite. One end up perpetuating the very thing that hurt you, but now it's me in power, so fuck you guys, and right. you treat other people the yep. way people treated you. And one is because you have the understanding of what it means to be treated like that, you actually have the balls or to, to find that energy in you, not to pass it on to somebody else. Yeah. And to So to me, there, there's actually... There's a line I used at one point that was really when I thought about it. It's like, man, this is one of the things that I write that clicks the most with me, that I go back to and it helps me sometimes when I'm not in my best frame of mind. If I remember correctly, something along the lines of uh, truly badass is having the strength to be kind even when life is not. Right. You know, to me it's like having experience, pain and suffering and tragedy and all that stuff is like, the desire to understand, that desire not to want to pass it on to somebody else, that desire to say, I know exactly what it means. So the last thing in the world I want to do is for someone else to feel it. Mm. And to find it when all you want to do is lash out and snap and be defensive and you have 10,000 reasons to be that way, but instead you choose to be kind. To me, that's powerful. To me, that's where, like, heroism kicks in, you know? To me, that's what, like, a hero is like. Yeah. It's somebody who has all that shit going on, and yet, despite that, find that strength to make it happen, you know? What do you think... What are the... What are the differences? Is it just the way you were born and your DNA? Is it the people uh, you surround yourself with and the influences? Or... Uh, is it where you're born? Is it luck? Like, is there a turning point where you can take the two people who had similar circumstances and make one kind and one, you know what I mean? I think it's all of those things. I, because I've personal experience, you know, being just one person, being uh, me, Daniele Bolelli, who I am, I've gone both ways. There have been, and you know, so the education is the same, the people have been raised around is the same, the, everything is the same, I'm the same person. Yeah. And yet in different moments, I've gone the route of, hey, I got hurt, so fuck you, I'm just going to snap at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And other moments where I can rise above that, and I'm like, oh man, that was, I played it so much better than I could have. Yeah. And so that's why to me I even, like a sentence like that, I wrote it first and foremost for myself as a reminder because I know that any given day I can go either way. Right. 
And any given day, I will go either way. There will be days where I'll fuck it up royally. Yeah. And there will be days when I do the right thing and I'll feel good about myself. So I think is the people you surround yourself with are important. Your education, and I don't mean formal education, but what the stuff you've fed your brain with is important. Yeah. The, and then there's an element of luck. And then there's an element of kind of like, you know, you should go out and shoot a three-pointer. Some days you'll make it, some days you'll right. miss. It's... Well, let's talk about the – I think one of the key things that everyone listening to the show can take from what you said is you made it about yourself and you made it about how do I be better today mm-hmm. than I was yesterday. I think that alone is a really rare quality. And I don't know if you got it from fighting, from martial arts, if you got it from from whatever, but I think that – that is so rare for someone just to constantly be like, I want to get better and examine the negative qualities and try to fix them. Because most people will own and sometimes even be like verbose about their shitty qualities. Like, I'm just the guy who gets fucking blackout drunk or like right. I'm the guy who, who j- I just say everything offensive or whatever. And they own it instead of trying to be better. Where do you think that comes from because i think that's the solution to most of our internal problems is just being on a quest for for self-improvement absolutely and i think that boils down to a choice you know i've watched uh, ever since i was a kid to me watching most anytime i watch a movie 99 percent of the time to me it's not about entertainment mm. it's about kind of the hero's journey of like i want to be able to embody that yeah the person who struggles, who has a hard time who knows very well what it means to be kicked down and find a way in themselves to to manifest their best self, yeah. to manifest their best qualities. When they have a choice, they could go both ways. Now, of course, that's way easier said than done. And of course, that ability is something that must be cultivated every day. But to me, it's important. It's like, I find myself being really judgmental. Okay, I find myself, like, I look at other people and I see all their shit and I'm like, come on, man, what's your problem? yeah, yeah. But as judgmental as I can get with other people, I'm a hundred times more judgmental with myself. Oh, I know. <laughs> when people are like shitty to me on Twitter, I'm, I'm always like, oh, you think you hate me? Right. You don't know how much I hate me. Right. Nothing you say will be as bad as the fucking inner voice kicking the shit out of my brain every fucking day. Right. And, and to me, there, even that's a fine line because is, uh, if you are too lazy about it and you make too many excuses for yourself, you'll never improve at anything. Right. But then there's the opposite problem, is you're too damn hard on yourself. And it's kind of like your own uh, stereotypical Asian mom. It's like, you got an A? Why is it not an A plus? What's wrong with you? You I'm tiger momming myself. And the thing is, that's not good either, because while it's good to have a little bit of a fire under your ass to push you to become the best you can be, at the same time, you're going to be miserable if you spend 24-7 like this. Cool. You need to also pat yourself on the back and go, yeah. you know what, man? That was actually damn good. Yeah. Good job. I nice. always, when I would teach jiu-jitsu, I would say that you need a combination of like a Kanye West swagger <laughs> with like a Woody Allen just like self-hatred. It like has, have have the, the, like the skill of a rapper and then like – the be able to criticize yourself like a stand-up comedian uh-huh. would, where it is that combination. It is because you, if you start hating yourself for too long, you're going to stop improving. However, a lot of times that hating yourself is going to push you to improve. Yep. And then you also need to be like, oh, and I'm the best in the world, Absolutely. or like, or I'm going to fuck you up. And that is, 
It's a delicate fucking balance, it is. man. Most people I know either make way too many excuses for themselves and yeah. end up being lazy and self-indulgent, or they are way too hard on themselves. Where it's like, yeah, you're getting stuff done, but Jesus, man, that's are not a good okay? way to... Exactly. That's not a good way to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said that once on, uh, I think it was an old uh, Joe Rogan Experience episode where Joe was cracking up because I said, but, you know, when I look at myself, I see the good stuff I have and I'm happy, <laughs> but I also see so much room for improvement, yeah. right? So I'm like, you know, you're okay, good yeah. job, but whatever. But that, that's where I crack up Joe because I said, then I look at everyone else and I go like, oh, I'm a god. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is I'm like... God among men. And the thing is like, once in a while you did to compare yourself to sort of the shitty average yeah. because then you're like, okay, I'm not that shitty. Yeah. You know? well, and what's ironic makes... too is you don't – like so I've been like pretty depressed recently and when you take yourself away from the challenges, you you make it so much worse in your head. So like mm-hmm. I'll use – I'm going to have trouble articulating this. So I'll use fighting again mm-hmm. as an example is you don't train for a long time. And you – or just even go to the gym for like a regular person. Uh, And you're like, oh, I'm going to suck when I get back. Mm -hmm. And like, am I even good? Like, why did I do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember like I went back a couple weeks ago for the first time. I've been training for like 10 years. I've been training for a really long time. And I literally had this moment where I'm like just like kicking the shit out of someone. And in my head, I'm like, I'm good at fighting. And it's like, of course you're good at fighting. You've been doing this 10 years. But when you remove yourself – from the obstacle or you remove yourself from the challenge or you tell yourself you have writer's block so you don't open up a Word document yep. or you tell yourself you're bad with uh, girls so you don't go and talk to somebody, then it's like you're just going to make it worse in your head. And the longer you put it off, yep. the more you're going to hate yourself. Whereas if you just go do it, one, that's how you get better. But two, you might realize you're already fucking good at it. Absolutely. If you're lucky, that's exactly pans out. So you just have a tiny push of just challenging yourself and then you get a reward. Yeah. Of course, it's harder when you do challenge yourself and you got the shit beaten out of you and yeah. you're like, oh, that didn't work. But even I... then, just getting up and going there, then you're like, you know what? I just got the shit kicked out of me and like that's kind of badass and I want to show up tomorrow so I get the shit kicked out of me like a little less. And I think that right there is so important. Like so many people psych themselves out with fear. Me, first and foremost, there are things that I'm scared of and I don't want to do them, right? But as you said, just the stepping up part, not the outcome, Mm -hmm. not whether you win or lose, not whether you do something amazing or not, but just taking the shot is amazing. Yeah. And you should pat yourself on the back yeah. for stepping up, regardless and, of how you do. And you will. I have never left the gym feeling shittier about myself. Even if I got my ass kicked, mm-hmm. I'm like still like I show up and I'm like, that's already a victory. Yep. And I know it's a cliche, but it's like it really is. Um, it really is. All right. I could talk to you about like self-improvement stuff forever. Let's knock out. I want to talk to you about some terminology. Sure. And maybe we'll get back to this because yep. it's helping me. Um, so I want to. As a historian, I want to talk about words we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, this one might be new, but you brought it up, so I wrote it down. Because I want to ask you about like anarchism and sure. socialism and stuff like that. But when you said social justice, mm-hmm. I remember – I've joked about this before – where the first time I was called a social justice warrior, I was like, thank you. Like I thought that was a good thing. Sure. I, because you hear the word social justice, and social justice, whether you're on the right or left – is a good thing. So what do you see as the definition of that? And when did it become a negative thing 
Yeah, when did it become negative? Is it negative now? Has it turned into something negative? What should it be? Well, and I think that's the problem with language in general, that so many words are just dog whistle, right? It's like the word itself has a meaning, but we all know what the associated meaning is in a certain context, which is why if like some ultra right-wing person tell me about responsibility, which obviously is a good concept, it's like, yeah, I have no problem with what you just said, except that I know exactly what you're bringing with that, yeah, yeah. behind that you're word. You're not talking about me. You're talking about, like, the Mexican family behind me. Right. Yeah. And so the whole thing is, like, means, uh, shut up, black people. You have it good. Don't worry about it. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's not what I mean by responsibility. Yeah. At least know? there's not slavery anymore. It's like, wow, that is a low bar. And I think that's the problem. That's why I really, you know, language is such a delicate field, because... Everything we say is not just the words we use, but the association that we make with those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why today, if you talk about, I mean, I even did it intentionally earlier when I say social justice, because I know it's more that kind of like (laughs) (gasps) social. Oh, yeah. That's why I wrote it down. (laughs) But when you think about it, it's like, yeah, what's wrong with social justice? Of course, it's something that anybody who's not a complete psycho would support. Well, how how would you define it? Well, and I think he's. It's basic, and again, something that conservatives, liberals, everybody in between would probably be cool with. The idea of building a society where you don't have a systematic oppression of a particular group for whatever reason, that seems basic enough. That is is like, who's going to argue with that, right? It's pretty obvious to anyone. We all agree on that part. Is that what we mean by social justice, that everybody has their own pet thing that they hide behind that term, and then that's where the disagreements kick in. Right. You know, it's like, oh, by social justice, you just mean uh, I need to pay for you lazy bastards who don't work. That's what you're trying to right. say. And the other guy goes, you see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's not the words themselves. It's the association that we make with those words. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about how, like, the extreme worst versions of a certain tribe kind of push you away from it. Like, I think when people say social justice warrior, they think about, like, who I used to be, which is I'm sad and depressed, so I'm going to tweet a bunch of stuff about how enlightened I am and how much more enlightened I am than you. Mm -hmm. And, like, oh, you're mad there were no, like, black women in that movie? Well, I'm mad there were no, like, trans black women (laughs) in, like, a wheelchair or whatever. And and it's usually white people who are doing that. And I think then that's where the term social justice warrior came from. But what's so upsetting is there are so many of those horrible – Kind of like, you know, people call it virtue signaling. Uh, People out there who are just doing it for narcissistic reasons that now the word social justice, not social justice warrior, but social justice is now suddenly a bad word. Exactly. And it's like, well, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Is that a way that we've used language and we've used obnoxious liberals to suffocate something that's very important, which is taking care of each other and making sure that, like, minorities aren't oppressed. Absolutely. And I think that's where the laziness behind language kicks in, Mm -hmm. which is the problem. Because if rather than discussing the specific thing somebody's saying, and somebody may be, you know, what you are saying, like, be ultra-obsessive over some, this movie is terrible because they did not have, and you go down the list of all the... (laughs) And rather than saying... 
you are a fuckhead because you're spoiling a good movie in the name of some abstract concept or just that really doesn't fit here because the people who did this movie were not trying you, you right. know where you right. can get into the specific or maybe they were to some degree but you know you can get to a specific movie specific example does it fit or does it not yeah. the discussion then become in general are you pro-social justice or are you against it yeah. and it becomes you know we plug so much stuff underneath that term that we poison the term, which is why I don't like labels in general. Like to me, when somebody tells me I'm a fill in the blank, whatever follow after that, most of the time doesn't tell me much about who they are. You know, it's like socialist. People use the word to mean uh, Stalin or to mean Bernie Sanders. And it's like, it's not the same thing, man. It's like, or, you know, you use pretty much anything you can think. Even like think take Christianity, right? Yeah doesn't tell me anything. There are literally 30,000 denominations of Christianity yeah. out there. There are gay Christians and Christians who think homosexuality is the ultimate sin. Yeah. There are ultra-liberal, ultra-conservative. There's everything under the... Under the Bush administration, I assumed every Christian was a homophobe. But then under the Vietnam or during the Vietnam War, it's like so many religious people were the ones who were taking in uh, the, 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 the people who didn't want to fight. Of and, course. And, you know, you compare like a, a, a soup kitchen run by religious people to fucking like Ted Haggard. It's like, yeah, there's a widely huge spectrum. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, one of the things I do. I teach a course about history of religions. Yeah. Which, of course, it could get heated, and I was always like, oh, are people going to kill each other in this course? What's going to happen? And the concept that I hammer on to death from day one is forget these labels. Anytime we say whatever word that may be, are, you know, Christians are, Muslims are, Buddhists are, whatever it is, whatever comes the after are is bullshit. Because whatever we are saying is probably true, and there are also 10,000 exceptions to what we are saying. So rather than trying to make this very generalized statement about what is the real, fill in the blank, whatever term we want to use, how about we go into specifics? You know, it's like there's, uh, today I was reviewing a podcast I did way back about Theodore Roosevelt, right? And Roosevelt at one point talks about... I just downloaded that, by the way, for my drive tomorrow. That's a good one. He's such a badass. And uh, he talks about socialism and he says, look, I'm totally against the socialism of, I forget who the person from that time was, but I'm completely okay with the socialism of this other person. And so he's saying they are not the same thing. You know, the world is the same. But there are different degrees, you know. It doesn't have to be 110% free market capitalism, which, by the way, doesn't exist anywhere on earth, or 100% controlled communist economy, which also barely exists anywhere. It's kind of like it is going to be somewhere in there, and where you draw the line is where we can have the discussion. Do do we want to have it 80-20? Do we want it 90-10? Do we want a 50-50? That's a productive discussion because – if we instead we demonize one side of the spectrum where everything about free market capitalism is innately evil or everything about a more socialist approach is innately evil, you kill the discussion. Yeah, because, again, that goes back to people getting defensive, where if you are telling a small business owner that they're the 1% and they're part of that and, you know, they work their fucking ass off. I mean, when <clears throat> I was making money – and was technically probably as much as a small business owner was making. Um, yeah, it was the most I got taxed. And I was like, this is when people become Republicans. Hurst. The problem is what a lot of people don't understand is that like 
the 1%, like we're not talking about the small business owners. We're not talking about millionaires. No. We're talking about people that like you would never see in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. because they're being shuffled away with private jets and with those people paying like a fair share. And I think what you meant or one of the things when you were like, we won't have a fully capitalist society either is that like, well, we bailed out the banks. Like there's still socialism for corporations, right? Um, there's the military. There's, uh, you know, 10,000 things that we can go down that totally. are but, based on a socialist approach. Yeah. And then there are a bunch of lefties who resent success. Right. And, you know, when I... I don't think I've talked about this on the show. I was just telling Emma about it because we started watching uh, Democracy Now! again. And Amy Goodman, who hosts Democracy Now! is a fucking national treasure. Like, has been, like, attacked by rebels overseas. Um, You know, just throws down. And I remember there was, like, a lefty magazine that was, like, found out she made, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. It wasn't even that much. And they were like, she's just a fucking sellout. Yeah, like, look how much Amy Goodman makes. And it's like, Amy Goodman should be a bazillionaire. I want Amy Goodman to be so rich. I want you to be so rich. I want people who work hard and who struggle um, and make great art or products that help people. Like, I want them to be successful. And that was something that I didn't have on the far left. And I think the I think the right sees the left as just being, like, people who are bitter and resentful sure. of success. But again, no one's having these conversations. Yep. So we don't see that, like, hey, guys, we're all being fucked over by the same people. Yep. You know what I mean? And if we all work together, like, we should have, like – competition and we should reward successful people but like also we should probably make sure that if someone gets cancer they're not going to go bankrupt and fucking die exactly and it doesn't seem like such a genius level concept right you would seem that anybody with three brain cells would understand that right it's like if you go too much to the extreme on one side you're fucking up royally because of this yeah Uh, you know there are or trans people with three brain cells just had to get you out of trouble good point i got you the yeah, I don't get it, man. It's like he's not we're not saying anything that radical or that complicated. You're saying how about you take you pick up a tool for a job that works, that get the right. job done in the best possible way. Well, like take the best from both can Exactly. It's Bruce Lee. It's mixed martial arts. Right. How did mixed martial arts come to be? Why don't we see karate schools all right. over the place? Because Bruce Lee, mixed martial artist, took the best of everything. Yep. And started kicking the shit out of people with it. Why wouldn't we want the best of socialism, the best of capitalism? I mean, do you think it just literally comes down to we are just like high school cliques and tribalism? And it's like I can't – like the right doesn't want to accept anything socialist and the and the left doesn't want to accept anything capitalism because we've just planted our fucking flag? Some of it is, you know, as much as the right talks shit about identity politics is a joke because – it's clear what they mean by identity politics without realizing that they are doing the exact same thing. Sure. Because it's still about building this identity of who we are. And I saw, I saw is... someone post yesterday on Twitter. This isn't about identity politics, but it was that same thing where she was like, she was like, look at the left politicizing a gun tragedy. And then she hashtagged it like, gun save lives. And it's like, wait, you're politicizing. You just did it, of you're course. You're politicizing of course. for the other team. Of course, exactly. And that's exactly what happens, right? Everybody... It's sort of a human desire to have to build an identity. And why do we do that? Why do we crave belonging so much? Why do we want rigid identities? Which when you're thinking about it, what you're saying is I want to 
I want Dogma to hold me in its arms and <laughs> pat me on the head and tell me that everything is going to be okay. Because that's what we're doing when you're buying into it. Can somebody a... please draw that? Draw Dogma cuddling us and right? petting us? Yeah. And the thing with that is I understand why. Because life is fucking scary. It's <laughs> hard. There are so many choices to make every day. And if you have to figure out what's the right balance between opposite things all the time, mm. and if you fuck it up, you will suffer. And, you know, one day the balance will be 90-10, one day will be 50-50, one day will be 70-30 the other side. You know, that's hard work because it requires you to be on your toes the whole time, to yeah. constantly be. Dogma is so much easier, right? Because yeah. it's, it sells you this illusion that there's a recipe that if you follow that in every single day, every single circumstance, every single contest, everything will be okay. Yeah, you have the answers. Those guys are evil. They are always wrong. We are always right. Always do this. Always avoid that. Problem is life does not work that way. There is no, save for a couple of things that are absolutes, right? Yeah. You know, there is no self-defense rape. That's fucked up in all contexts, yeah. in all scenarios. So we agree there. There are some things that are absolutes. Yeah. You don't abuse kids. Absolutes. Yeah. There are no exceptions. But in most cases, stuff is a little more delicate than that. It requires you to figure out what in this particular context today is appropriate, which may not be the same answer that worked yesterday works today in this context. Right. The problem is it's hard work and most people don't want to do it. They don't trust themselves enough to do it. They are lazy. So they like to fall back on a recipe that they can follow in all circumstances, all cases. It's reassuring, even though what you're really doing is, is robbing you of the flexibility to make the call in this second. Yeah, I really like that. And I also think that one of the problems that we have on the left is people are afraid to have these conversations because they don't want to get called out. Of course. So, like, I remember when Matt Damon was like, hey, should we be treating Harvey Weinstein the same as, like, Al Franken? And suddenly Matt Damon trending on Twitter, like he's a fucking rape apologist. And it's like, shit, like if people I understand, you know, that people who suffer don't want to answer a bunch of dumb questions from like white people being like, I don't get it. Right. Sure. But at the same time, if everyone is afraid to dip their toes into and have a conversation um, with each other, that's yep. just interleft fighting, yep. let alone with conservatives or, you know, when I wrote a piece for Quillette being called alt-right suddenly when the piece was not that, sure. um, it's like, oh fuck, are we not allowed to go to the other side? I mean, it, it isn't part of like philosophy, not even philosophy, but just learning, like, isn't it reading things you agree with, reading things you disagree with, you know, formulating opinions, figuring out how to debate certain topics. Like, yep. isn't that kind of like the principle of like, are, are we missing out on the principle of learning by being so like insular on our, with our, within our group? Is exactly what you said earlier, using an example that again, to you or me is clear because we're martial art freaks. Here we go. Other MMA people time. may less, but no, the Bruce Lee idea, which again is not even just Bruce Lee. People have done it before him, but Bruce Lee popularized it very well. The idea that, look, rather than trying to mold yourself to a dogma, so I'm a karate guy, I'm a Wing Chun guy, I'm a judo guy, we are the best way, fuck you guys, which is the same thing that people do with their organized religion, yep. with political ideology, yep. with probably anything, right? You can probably find massage school who are arguing, Shatsu is the best, oh, no, sure. fuck you, Swedish is the way to go, you know, it's like... <laughs> So rather than doing that... Also, fuck you, Swedish is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bruce Lee thing was like, 
ABBA, you take the best that's out there. And the best, again, forget the false equivalence. It's not saying every single source offer the same great tools. From a source, you may pick 1%. Maybe 99% of that is garbage. Well, but some... there's 1% that's actually good. Yes. So take that 1%. Doesn't mean you have to buy the rest. Just 1%. Yep. Something else is 20%. Great. Take that 20 yep. No source has all the answers we want. So rather than arguing about, hey, but this one is 35 and you guys have only 12, so we are great and you guys suck, how about you just take the best from every single yeah. one to just make life easier ultimately, to, yeah. to make it workable? Why wouldn't you want that? You know, It would be like if somebody handed you, I don't know, whatever your like wildest dream was, but you found out it came from someone you disagreed with, would yeah. you turn it away? It's like, no, of course not. Um, but I think that our need to be right or our need to never be wrong mm -hmm. um, is so strong that we miss out on these great opportunities and relationships and personal evolution um, because we don't want to look stupid. I mean, you know, when this fucking got really bad was uh, the whole when flip flopping became uh, a negative term sure. uh, with John Kerry, I thought and I was young. I th and I didn't know about John Kerry. I'm not like the biggest John Kerry fan in the world. But back then, I hated George Bush. Yep. And I was like, oh, you have a dude who served. George Bush did not. Yeah. Right? He was doing blow. He was doing all this shit. Uh, born to a president. John Kerry served. Then, even though he served, even though he was a hero, came back and was like, now that I've done my duty, now that I've saved lives, fuck this war. <laughs> Here yep. are my medals. And I'm like, this guy's going to be president. Like, how fucking cool is this? Sure. Like, it was, again, like, such a good story. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, well, he flip-flopped. You know, oh, he's serving the war. And, and they turned it around to be a negative thing. And to me, flip if you don't flip-flop, you're a psychopath. Yeah. If you don't flip-flop on – if I still looked at – if I still believed all the things I believed when I was in high school – I would, I would be in, we would all be in jail. Yeah, there's, there are issues there for sure. And I think there's a key difference there between flip-flopping in the sense of I'm going to look at the evidence. As I discover more evidence, I'm going to adjust my position accordingly. So, you know, I believe something, then I learn something else, or maybe it was right for the time, but the context changed. And so I tweak my position. Yeah. That just being smart. Yeah. Then there's flip-flopping in the sense of just being a hypocrite. Yes, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. You where know, it's, oh, this is popular now, exactly. so I'm going to support it. Or And so right there, even when we say something like flip-flopping, there's a flip-flopping that's good, that's right. healthy, no, that's right. smart. You're totally right. And there's another one that's trash. No, you're totally you know? right, especially with politics. Because yeah. you're like, oh, you didn't support this before. Like when Hillary Clinton was talking about the Black Lives Matter thing, it's like, I guess it's good you've evolved, but we can't ignore – what happened during the Clinton years yeah. when it came to like these crime bills that were like punishing black communities. Um, all right. Before we run out of time, cause I want to talk about all this stuff. Let's just do some quick language sure. uh, talk. I feel like there was probably even a time when I called myself an anarchist and didn't know mm -hmm. what the fuck it was. Um, the preface, obviously what we talked about before, how there are different versions of these things, but what is the actual definition of an anarchist? And, 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 and are there, positive aspects um that you like from it um how is it how do people look at it today i think that's the one socialist people have a little more of an idea nazi i think we got figured out but anarchist is the one that is very much demonized but i also know people 
who are like these like peaceful anarchists, but I, what the fuck does it mean? Well, and that's the problem with labels in general, and anarchism very much fits the bill, that everybody mean whatever the hell they want by it, right. you know? So there it's is anarchy. no one uh, <laughs> yeah. established meaning that's good for it. There are, you know, more labor union anarchists who are very different from uh, ANCAP, right. who are very different. So even that term is, like, thrown around so much that to me is like, what are we really talking about? Because it's like, today you have a bunch of libertarians who have a fairly right-wing take who define themselves as anarchists. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Anarchism traditionally has been an ultra-left-wing thing. Yeah. So it's like, it's part of that. That's why I tend to... Like, I like the only way in which I use the term uh, is usually in the sense of epistemological anarchism, which is basically the Bruce Lee approach, is the willingness not to be bound by any dogma, not to be bound by any ideology, and to take from whatever source you want. That almost sounds like fucking, not Buddhist, but that's, yeah, that that sounds very, uh, like, Eastern philosophy, sort of. Uh... Right, and the way, specifically, the term epistemological anarchism was used by this philosopher of science, Paul Feyerabend, who... Uh, you know, little nerd in a lot of ways, very philosophical, but but the attitude was exactly I that. Liked that. was this concept, which to me is wonderful, right? Yeah. Then when you get into the politics of anarchism, they span all over the place. It's just chaos, right? Right, because you have the, you know, Galliani bombing the living hell out of capitalists in the 1920s. Yeah. To you get the capitalist anarchists, to you get, you know... It's there's everything and the opposite, as it always ends up happening with lots of labels. Yeah. So, you know, the, the only thing that they vaguely agree on is the idea that anarchism is sort of rejecting a state authority yeah. that is rejecting the notion. Essentially, it's bringing back authority very much to the individual level or at most the community level, like a face-to-face -face community yeah. versus... A, is it... This is a really... This is a very judgmental thing. Is it just something that much like we all had like an emo goth phase in high school or we were all like Taoist when we were 16, which I still really love, but like that's when I discovered it. Like people have these phases. Is anarchy just kind of like, I mean, it, it, there's no absolute, but like, do you think part of it is just, it was a cool kid thing where you're like, well, I know the Democrats and Republicans are full of shit. That's a cool word with a cool patch I'm going to put on my jean jacket. Sure. And the musicians I like say it. So kind of like, Fuck everything, I guess. There's certainly some of that, yeah. right? That's why to me it's like when people are like, oh, you are a Taoist. I'm like, yeah, sure, no, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? What are you saying? It's yeah. like, what are we talking Are you an anarchist or not? Fuck you. What right. are you even talking about? You know, it's like to me even that – even that desire to find that label and like, again, it goes back to building an identity, an anarchist identity, maybe weirder and wilder and in some way sound freer than any other identity. But like all identity, or as Bruce Lee put it, any martial arts style is a trap. Right. Including the most free-loving ones are still a trap. Yeah. Because you're not giving you a chance to not be an anarchist when you don't feel like it. I love that. <laughs> you know, when in a particular occasion, that's not the right... You know what? I don't like government. I don't like the state. Yeah. Except when it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, it's so funny. Even when you're... Because you're someone I really look up to. And, like, you know, we've had, like, personal conversations that have really helped me. Uh, and even as we're talking about this... We did a whole episode kind of talking about the problems with tribalism, and there is part of me that wants to be like, so, like, you're a Taoist? Like, what book should I read? Right, and right. like, You know, because there is something, like, 
biological, where yep. you just crave tribes and answers. And every day, when I, man, when I became vegetarian back in the day, suddenly I'm like, I want to know every fucking actor that's a vegetarian. Yep. I want to know when I started jujitsu, like same deal. It's like that community. I think there are healthy ones and then there are unhealthy ones or there are healthy ways to um, go about it. You're absolutely right because community is a human need. Community you know, is great. It's gr There's nothing wrong with it. It is very much needed and it's many ways at the roots of people being depressed as hell and a lot of it boils down to loneliness and alienation from community. So yeah. community is as needed as it, it could possibly be. But a community that allow individuals to be individuals is very different from a community that gives you, this is how we dress, this is our flag, right, this right. is our anthem. This is when this we is drink the we poison believe. wine. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I like the community part. I don't like this yeah. cultish bullshit do that you require. Do you think that's one of the reasons there's so much more infighting on the left than there is on the right? Because the right still has the church. And the left doesn't have the church as much anymore. And the left also, like, unions are kind of, falling apart and so like there really isn't as much community i mean the most i felt community on the left was unfortunately whenever like we were protesting in the streets after something fucking terrible happened. Sure. so it's like we felt community when there was tragedy but i do wonder if because we don't have meeting places where we get to see each other outside and become friends and you know all this stuff that's one of the reasons we like tear each other apart online so much mm-hmm I think it says, that's why, you know, why do you train jujitsu? I think there are 10,000 reasons why you do it and Fuck why it people makes you up, feel. bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of them is that sense of community. Totally. It's like martial arts studios are like modern day tribes yeah. that, you know, you don't click on many other reasons for with the people on the mat, but you have that one activity that you all love in common. Dude, when I was you... saying that spiel just now, yeah. uh, uh, I was picturing, I was literally picturing my gym. Right? Yeah. And so to me, creating places like that, where maybe it's just, okay, the martial arts school, that's great. Somebody's not into martial arts. How about you build a martial arts school that's also float tank place and yeah. it's also uh, meditation, meditation or, classes yeah. or is also, so you got a, a range of activities that revolve around the same location. Yeah. So that people may go there for very different reasons, but yeah. they're all going there to basically better themselves. Better themselves, find, health, community. Right? And so you do meet, uh, I mean, one of the problems with being obsessed with jiu-jitsu is that realistically you spend your time about sweaty guys with shaved heads and yeah. too many tattoos. And it's like, not that I have anything against it, yeah, but occasionally yeah. I like to talk to women too. And occasionally <laughs> yeah. I like to, you know, it's like it's too it attracts a certain crowd. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that crowd, but if that's all your, the community you ever have, well, that's yeah. kind of a problem. So it's, Well, I noticed in New York, it's like when I only hung out with progressive journalists, it was a lot of fucking white kids. Yep. And uh, in like Park Slope, where when I started going to jiu-jitsu, I was like, oh, this is the... I'm talking a big game uh, when I hang out with my progressives about like diversity, but somehow like is our like Friday night drinking in Park Slope whites only? Because right. holy shit. But then I go to jiu-jitsu and it's like, oh, Oh, this is the first time I actually have like and comedy actually, mm -hmm. but like black friends and Latino friends and you know uh, whatever. Uh, okay, R real quick, I won't ask you to define socialism because we've talked about the problem with labels, but I do want to ask you what are the key differences when when socialist is being used as? Can you use the term dog whistle if it's not racist? Yeah, I, I mean uh, I use it that okay. way. But so if um, guys, the white guy said I can. Uh, so. It, 
when you hear socialist being used with such venom to describe Bernie Sanders on, say, a Fox News, yeah. can, can you talk about how Bernie Sanders' definition of socialism, like, how is the democratic socialism, how is modern socialism different than, I think, when people think of, like, Stalin? Well, and I think his differences, if in the most generic way possible, you can define socialism as having a degree of you pay your taxes, the taxes go to a government, the government reallocate the resources in a way that's supposedly designed for the benefit of a whole nation. Whether they do that effectively or not, that's a whole other issue. But, you know, the theory being that now there's not a government on earth that doesn't do that. You know, there is no 100 percent. There's never been a 100 percent free capitalist society because it's impossible. So what you get is every single government, whether they define themselves as socialist or not, has some features that fit that bill. Now, if you take it to we are going to tax every single dime you have, we'll bring it all to the state and the state will return it in the form of certain services to you. That's where it becomes a 100% planned economy and is more the super hardcore communism, right? But between the super hardcore communism and the non-existent free market capitalism, mm. everything in between includes some form of socialism. Sure. Whether you want to say, oh, it's like Northern Europe, which is mostly a capitalist economy, which has strong social welfare system, some people will say, I saw a meme online that was actually pretty hilarious, where they are arguing that they are like, you know, the right-wing guy is like, no, that's not socialism. That's free market capitalism with a little bit of welfare stuff. And the other guy goes like, well, I kind of like that, so we should do it. And the right-wing guy is like, no, that's socialist. <laughs> and it's <Right>. like, <laughs> you know, it's it kind of goes back and forth like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, so to me, that's why those words are dangerous. Uh, because they portray, they give you a sense that we have a unanimous definition of what it means when we really, really don't, mm. you know. And so it's the Theodore Roosevelt thing. It's like, what, which socialism are we talking about? Yeah. You know, it's like, don't be so fucking lazy. Tell me what you mean, yeah. you know. Tell me which one of these hundred different variations are we talking about. Because some make total sense. Some will make sense even to a hardcore free market capital totally. who will probably like some of it. Yeah. Others are batshit crazy. Yeah, I think you can want people to be taken care of uh, if something terrible happens. And also, like, I don't want to work in the field. I don't want to trade crops. And I don't think anyone's really advocating for right. that. But again, you have a lot of the people who define themselves as socialists uh, also attacking successful people. And sure. it's like, no, but we want success too. Absolutely. We want success, uh, but we want people to be taken care of. What about the words Nazi and white supremacist? Do you think that it is accurate to be describing either some of our uh, political Trumpian figures uh, as Nazis or white supremacists or even like Tucker Carlson's? Or is that taking a word that meant something far, far, far worse and we're just assigning it to run-of-the-mill racist douchebags? Or because someone like Tucker Carlson has so much influence, um, do you believe that words like that, just from a historical sure. context, um, not a personal one, are accurate? Well, Nazi is a tricky one because Nazi, forget as it applies today, but even back in the day when you actually had the Third Reich and you had Hitler, defining Nazism back then was a fucking mess because yeah. ideologically it was very amorphous Nazism. You know, there's a lot of Hitler personal power thing. 
but he went that's why some people will tell you ridiculously by the way that nazism was left-wing Oh, he yeah. wasn't at all. However, there are a few elements of left-wing stuff that Nazism incorporated. Like he was an artist with that issues. There's that. But also, <laughs> you know, in terms of like some elements of planned economy certainly were there, sure. right? But, but that's the problem. It's like Nazism, even in its heyday, was very hard to neatly identify, mm. let alone when you try to translate it to today. So unless you are self-identified as a Nazi, unless you have, you know, a American History X style swastika right. on your chest, <laughs> you know, it's like the word is probably a tricky one in yeah. terms of applying it today. Um, so that's probably a good one to skip in that Yeah, regard. I mean, I always was kind of like, uh, unless you are marching Jews in a systematic uh, yeah. way into poisonous showers, like... Maybe you're an asshole, yeah. but Nazis seemed a little extreme. Yeah. Especially when, you know, like him or not, it's like you're calling Ben Shapiro a Nazi, and it's like, mm. well, homeboy's got a yarmulke on. Like, right. you can call him an asshole. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You could call him racist towards whatever. Yeah. But, like, fuck, man. I feel like when you, you're taking the power away from something really tragic yep. and, like, a really harsh word when you're just throwing it around, like, willy-nilly. Yeah, Nazi is the lazy man insult, right? It's, it's kind of just like, come on, man. It's yeah. like, you can do better than that. So what yeah. about white supremacists? Okay, like, that's a more interesting one. It right is, there. right? Because if, you know, if you told your average person, especially conservative, that we live in a white supremacist country, they would be like, fuck you. Of we course. don't have slavery. I'm not racist, blah, blah, blah. But is it technically still that if white people have more power or if, you know... Well, and that's one of the things that I find funny about the debate on racism and white supremacists and stuff, that today, and this is a sign of progress, right? But yeah. today is even open unashamed racists are actually kind of ashamed. You know, they are <laughs> nobody. Yeah. Like the most racist person in the world does not want to define themselves as racist. You're still going to look around before you make that joke. Yeah, it's like, and there are cases where that term is way overused and it's not really like that, but there are cases that fit, man. It's yeah. like I was listening to some guy, um, uh, do we even want to mention? Oh, fuck it, uh, Stefan Molino. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know that guy? He's the guy that like even like alt right guys are like, well, I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like you know, he's, I've never listened to him. Yeah, me neither. Because I have, a, I mean, no, I unfortunately I have a couple of times enough to just say, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. I've but, seen some like tweets or something. Yeah, but you know, like sometimes you hearing praise. Uh, I was in Poland, and it's an all white society, and it was wonderful, and there's no crime, and this Yikes. idea. You're praising white ethno states. You are retweeting every three seconds uh, pseudo-scientific studies trying to show that black people are genetically inferior in intelligence right. compared to white people. It's like that's textbook white supremacy. Sure. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. like you're taking it out of the dictionary and putting it onto your Twitter feed. And he's saying basically you know, everything he says is I'm a white supremacist. I'm a white supremacy. Yeah. I'm a white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you yeah. know, he doesn't finish the sentence. And sure. So there will literally be people who will say, no, he's not a white supremacist. What are you talking about? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. You know, if you really <laughs> yeah, yeah. can't see that, we got an issue. Sure. Now, like, he doesn't, I mean, I guess he has a big following, but like he doesn't have as much power as, say, a Donald Trump or even a Tucker Carlson who sure. has a, a Fox News. You know, I have not watched Tucker Carlson recently. Met him once. Very nice. I'm white, so doesn't matter um and uh, but he has a huge platform is on fox news i never think someone should be censored i don't even like going after people's advertisers do you think that or do you even know enough about do you think someone like him 
would you call him a white supremacist or would you be like, you're just a fucking right wing, like loud kind of Rush Limbaugh? I don't right. know. That's where it gets tricky. It does, Because right? you have to get into specifics. And, right. you know, like in a case like his, I mean, I've seen some of his stuff, but not enough to actually, Molino, I've seen enough to actually well, figure it out. Why don't we, because we're running out of time, but why don't we talk about Trump then? Like, right. Trump has said racist things. Sure. Right? Um, Trump has had racist policies. Yeah. Um, what is the difference between, a ra- like, is a white supremacist just a fucking racist with power? Is there, because it sounds a lot worse than just racist. Your uncle on Facebook is racist. Sure. But white supremacists are something very like. Uh, yeah, no, I see where you're going. And I think the difference there is the racist, casually racist, racist because uh, maybe your audience is racist or racist yeah. because you are kind of racist in some context, but not in that. I mean, Jesus Christ, I kid you not. I've seen like neo-Nazis finishing an MMA fight and hugging their black opponent and sure. patting him on the back. Yeah, and going. Yeah. So even racism sometimes is contextual. See, guys, you know? MMA will make you not a Nazi anymore. Right, for about six seconds yeah. before you... You know, it's... So to me, have I seen uh, things that are clearly racist, dog whistles in Trump? Yes, big time. Um, white supremacy to me is taking it one notch up where you're trying to, you know, a huge part of your platform is establishing a system that will guarantee a control of all the resources to a particular ethnic group. I don't quite see it going that far, which again is, uh, there's a line there, you know, it's not a clear cut, but I I think in terms of degrees, it makes a difference. Well, I bring this up not to... I bring this up not to um, be like, haha, the left does dumb language or haha, the right or white supremacist because I didn't know what your answer was going to sure. be. I bring it up because, and again, I'm a white guy saying this, so uh, write in, people of color. Um, but I do wonder if all of the left is calling Trump a white supremacist. I have a feeling if I talked to an average conservative – and I go, you voted for a white supremacist. They would go, go fuck yourself, and totally. they would walk away. Yes. If I was having a conversation with that conservative, and I was like, yo, that Mexican rapist thing was like kind of racist, right? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, man, totally. Yeah. And now we can have a conversation. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Or like the birtherism thing I talked about on yesterday's show. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. How can you not think suddenly the only black president? You're like, I bet that guy's from Africa. It's yeah. like, for fuck's sake. Maybe he's just an idiot, uh, but a racist idiot. Yeah. Probably. Um, but if you actually want to reach across the aisle, I feel like if you're told someone they voted for a white supremacist, when I hear white supremacist, I think of the Klan. Yeah. I think of um, uh, uh, black people getting dog sicked on them. I think – and again, that's not saying that there isn't a shitload of racism happening sure. now. But I don't want to over-exaggerate language which gives – conservatives a reason to just not listen. I agree completely. And I think it's a lot of what we've been dancing around is exactly this issue of language. Yeah. That be damn precise in the way you use it. And if a general label is not that precise, get into specific discussions yeah. about do we agree on this particular policy or not? Do we agree? What do you think of, I don't know, make up whatever. Is is legalizing sex work okay or not? Let's yeah. look at the pros and cons. Let's look at, we, we both agree that human trafficking sucks, right? right? Yes, okay, we do. We do agree that people forced to be in prostitution against their will is a fucked up thing. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. But we also agree that human beings should have the freedom to do whatever the hell they want with their body as long as they don't hurt somebody else, right? Yeah. Many people will agree with that. 
okay, now we agree on all the philosophy. Yeah. Now we just need to work a strategy mm. that deliver the best possible solution to reduce the human trafficking and guarantee personal freedom. Yeah. Which, where do we draw the line? That's a more interesting discussion than uh, you are a facilitator for human trafficking. No, fuck you. You're trying to squash personal freedom. Right. It's not even true. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. let's, it becomes true when people get radicalized in their ideological position. Then they do embody the stereotype. But right. when you start, most of the time, it's not that bad, the yeah. difference. We, we can have a discussion on that, you know? Well, this was fucking great, man. I remember when I learned about Taoism when I was in high school, I thought it was the fucking coolest thing. It was the reason I became a vegetarian. Sure. Uh, when people were like, oh, you become vegetarian for, like, climate change? I was like, no, man. I was 16, and I was like, we're all one. Um, do you have any starting point or books you like uh, about Taoism? Yeah. I mean, there's, of course, the Tao Te Ching. The yeah. problem with the Tao Te Ching is that depending on the translation, it can be a little hard. Have. There's a whole – I read probably – I mean, it's a short book, so you can read it in two hours, right? Yeah. So I read probably, I don't know, 15 translations, right, oh, over time. It. Just Some of them are terrible it's yeah, like really? I, I like i don't understand the damn word you're saying yeah. and some of them are enlightening and brilliant so there's that one thing that i find maybe an easier entry point for people is alan watts a lot oh, of yeah. alan watts I... writing is uh, you know he did a bunch of books on zen buddhism and taoism okay and they are great you know there's one called the spirit of zen the way of zen Tao, the water course way there's a I lot of different books and the only issue that i had with alan watts is that that was my go-to thing to recommend when it came to taoism yeah and then i remember i recommended it to savannah and to another couple of people and they were like eh and i'm like what do you mean nah? it's amazing and then i picked it up again and i was like oh, shit, it's amazing because I'm a nerd and I understand a philosophical language right. that's... But it's not necessarily for everybody. It's like that I, feeling you get when you're showing someone, like, a movie you watched, like, in, like, high school that, like, was yeah. your favorite. You're like, oh, you'll love Three Ninjas. And it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and you go back and you're like, I still love it. I still think Alan Watts was a genius. But there's some stuff there that language... So I was having a hard time because I was getting... Having a podcast called The Drunken Taoist, I was getting that question a lot, right? Oh, right. And so what I ended up doing was, you know what, since people are asking me the question, this is going to be my answer. And what I did was I went through a bunch of, you know, all the different translations of the Tao Te Ching that I could get my hands on, Chuan Tzu, which is the other main Taoist book, a few other things. And what I did was like, okay, I'm going to create a lecture series on Taoism, like 16 topics or something, 30 to 45 minutes each. Whoa. And I'm going to try to break down what it means for me. Okay, so that's my interpretation. Now, do I think that that's the best possible intro to Taoism ever? I'm not, as much as I spend my time flexing in front of the mirror <laughs> and telling myself I'm so awesome, I'm not that yeah. delusional. But, you know, if somebody asks me, it's like, that is my intro. You know, I that like is that. how yeah. I understand Taoism and why I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, w w what is it about, just for anyone who doesn't know, what is it about Taoism and um, that attracted uh, you to it? Just like the, what's the elevator pitch? <laughs> I think it's the one thing that... I mean, Taoist itself is a label, right? But right. it's the one label that rejects all label, including... Yeah. The, so in, in a paradoxical kind of way, you don't have to be a Taoist to be a Taoist. Sure. And if anything, maybe it's the best way to be a Taoist, not to be a Taoist. Yeah, meaning yeah, yeah. you're not putting on a certain kind of clothing and this is what we Taoists believe. The essence of Taoism is uh, 
adaptability to what works. Mm. You know, you're look, life is in constant state of change. What worked yesterday may not work exactly today in the same context. So you learn to adapt to what works in the present, in the moment. So that freedom to choose from a bunch of different tools to see what fits right now, what's the best possible answer right now. The way I conceive of Taoism is a surfing. It's like philosophical surfing, right? Like as a surfer, if you are on the wave, you cannot just say, look, if you tilt 30% to the right, you're always going to be in balance. Right. It's like, no, you're not. You're in balance when the wave is hitting that spot. Yeah. But a second later, you need to tilt 10% to the left. Sure. And then you need to go. Taoism is kind of teaching you about adaptability, about being able to recognize the rhythm of things around you, timing as an essential skill. So to me, Taoism is about effectiveness. It's how to live an effective life. Right. That's what good Taoism does. That's awesome. Uh, can people get that online still? The Taoist lecture series? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I have it. I think it's at danielebolaili.com. Sweet. If you just check my name, Taoist lecture series, it will Great. pop up somewhere. We also will listen to that. All right. I, on the fly, switched my favorite Simpsons episode um, with... Uh... All right, so you're a little older than me. I, my martial art, my favorite martial arts movies were all terrible. And I think in the 90s, I was in the Van Damme, Steven Seagal. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, best of the Best. Yeah, uh, that uh, was fun. Oh, so fun. Best of the Best is my favorite. I feel like the Best of the Best series describes Hollywood so well when it comes to like remakes and sequels. Where Best of the Best won, uh, Olympic Taekwondo team, uh, um, the, the, the brother was like... Uh, murdered like teaches us like these valuable lessons had james earl jones in it uh who like won an academy award then best of the best two turned into illegal casino fighting yep. with wayne newton i think was the bad guy i remember but the yeah. best of the best three only the lead guy no one else and he's fighting nazis in the woods dressed as a clown oh, that's hilarious yeah it that's was amazing fun. um so what are your what are your shitty uh martial art movie go-tos or the ones you genuinely love my favorites um, Feast of Legend is a Jet Li remake of uh, Bruce Lee. I think he was either the Big Boss, Chinese Connection. You know how Whoa. those things were released with yeah, multiple yeah, yeah. titles. Jet Li is awesome in that one because he plays the Bruce Lee. Whereas the Bruce Lee character in that original was, you know, all fiery and angry and intense. Yeah, Jet Li played totally understated Zen and mellow, and he's awesome i've only seen one jet lee movie and it's actually i'm sure it's seen as problematic but it's the one with bridget fonda kiss of the dragon where she's like a prostitute and like her daughter gets kidnapped and he is like yeah that very like quiet assassin and like him playing quiet badass is like the fucking best and this one was brilliant because whereas the original bruce lee had a very nationalistic element which i less than thrilled with yeah this one is uh you know he's a chinese guy it's a chinese china versus japan story and he has a japanese girlfriend nice so he throws a whole That's weird spin where you know the chinese are pissed off with him the japanese yeah. hate his guts it's yeah. all like it's uh, no, it's super good. Do you I have really... a really bad one that you like? Well, the guilty pleasure of the '90s was, of course, Steven Seagal, which you say today is just like it's so embarrassing it's so to bad. even it, like. No. But you know, there were a couple of movies that were actually fun at the time. They Hard to Kill is one to... of my favorite martial arts. Yeah, movies. it's. But again, today is like just saying the word Steven Seagal. I feel like oh, yeah. 
I know. Oh, I know. Jesus, why Did he have we... a show where he was like made himself like an unofficial sheriff? Yeah. And like like a reality show. Yes. And they like drove a tank into like someone's house. Yeah, killed their puppy. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, terrible. Yeah. And then was... there were these urban legends about him trying to get into bar fights and getting like the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, right? well, of course. Um, uh... I had this one line in a a stand up like rant thing of mine. I think it was about like gun rights, where it was like people who think they're like Steven Seagal from the movies, but in real life, they're more like Steven Seagal in real life. <laughs> Which is a very bad deal. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hard to kill, I still think. I mean, his family dies. He gets amnesia. Wakes right. up years later. Uh, it was also Steven Seagal movies were, it had my favorite trope of a martial art movie, which was the bar fight. Of course. Which was, hey, it's going to open up with these guys just happen to fuck with of the course. most dangerous person in the world. So yes. there was the best, the best bar fight uh, in hard to kill with Steven Seagal. It was a, his a liquor store got robbed. Right. And he literally goes, he goes, uh, he's like, what if I put my gun away? What if I put my hands I behind know, my yeah, back? That was and then he goes, that what was if hilarious. I get on my knees? Yes. And then he kicks the shit out of everyone. Right. Um, and I also think the last line when he killed one of the guys who killed his wife, he like put a pool cue, I think through his neck, flashback to his wife being shot and then looked at him and just goes, fuck you and die. Yes, of course. Brilliant. You know, it, it's a philosophy of life summed up in a few words. Fuck you and die. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much Taoism, right? Fuck you and die. Word by word. Great, He's great, like, great. I thought he was Lao Tzu you are quoting, but, you know, I got confused there for a second. He was like, oh, Lao Tzu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I probably should have asked this uh, before Savannah came downstairs, but I'm super curious. We've never talked about it. I think I want to start doing this. I tried to ask Noam Chomsky once because mm-hmm. I interviewed him a bunch and I tried to ask him about relationship advice because mm-hmm. I thought it would be like, oh, this would be like a funny, sweet thing you've sure. never talked about. And he just straight up refused. Really? <laughs> he was just like, I don't think I'm qualified for that. Really? I was Interesting. Like, All right. Um, but you have history, you have philosophy, you have Taoism. Uh, what's your biggest piece of like relationship advice? No, I spent... I spent a bunch of years in situations where I tried to kind of desperately mold myself around other people. And especially the people are good and they are amazing and they are worth it, you know, and you feel like, shit, look at everyone else. This is, I click with this person better than with anyone else. So this must be great. And it's like, well, no, that still doesn't mean it's great. If If every single day you have to start making little compromises to fit into the situation and you have this illusion that if I only try hard enough, eventually everything is going to click, well, it's a guarantee that it's not going to click. Emma, get out. (laughs) It's like you can make it work, but it's different. And again, I guess that's where it gets tricky because for me, like it's funny. It's like when I met and like with Savra now, I'm as happy as I think it's conceivably possible for me to be happy with another human being. Yeah. It's just, I cannot think of one thing I would change, like not one millimeter, which is like not completely outside of my experience before. It's like, of course you want to change some stuff and you want to make it better. So some of it is like, what the hell am I going to say? I mean, some of it may be just blind luck. Right, it's like someday you click with somebody, but what if you don't meet somebody that you click with somebody perfectly? Then what? Yeah. You know, because it's kind of easy to say, "What's your advice on how to play great basketball when you have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen playing for you?" It's like, <laughs> well, right. thanks. Is yeah. you know, you have it easy there. Everyone find a Savannah. But that, and I think for me was important. And again, maybe it's a coincidence, and maybe it isn't. But the fact that. You know, we met at a time when I'd made the decision to just never, ever, ever 
try to mold myself around somebody else. Never try to put my best face forward. Never try to impress somebody. It's more the, this is me 100%. Yeah. The good stuff, the stuff that's less likely to impress somebody, it's all right here on the table. Yeah. And you like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. Yeah. And, and not in an asshole kind of way, but no. like, I'm not going to lie to you. But, I'm but, not going to. It's not even in like, a, like, I know what you mean, where like, even with Emma and I, we started doing like all of our like weird voices and quirks like three days in. Sure. Where I'm like, I'm like, I wouldn't like poop with someone in the same place for like a year. And like, we were just automatically like, like we've been together for years. Yeah. It's just that, that, that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then what do you do when things, if, if this is your person and if you've never felt this way and it's effortless, but relationships are also work, do you tell yourself that when things get hard, when there is work, do you just go, all right, man, like suck it up. Like, don't be, don't be an asshole. Well, of course. I mean, you don't want to be like, hey, you have been perfect 99% of the time, but today you said that one word that bothered me. Clearly, this is not meant to be. Yeah, yeah you're a psycho. You know, there's a difference between. But I really think in that sense, the relationship thing for me mm-hmm. was before it even applies to another human being, just with yourself. So just the idea that you need to be comfortable in your own skin. You need to feel that, look, I am happy. I may be super happy with you, or or I'm not, or I'm okay with being me. I'm okay doing my shit. I'm okay yeah. worrying about. And that part is so key. Also because among other things, it makes you less desperately needy, yeah. which is not the most attractive quality in the world. Mm-hmm. So when you are hanging out with somebody, if you like them, it's because you honestly like them, not right. because it's like, I need to get laid. So that's why I'm being all sweet and nice right. and stuff. It's like, no, I choose to be sweet and nice because it feels good, yeah. not because I want anything from you. Awesome. So being in that place where you don't want shit from people, where you're just like, you're going to live your life regardless. Mm. And if you happen to click with somebody, that's awesome. That makes all the difference in the world. Oh, that's so good. All right. Thank you, buddy. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. How about that one? I thought that went really well. I appreciate the guys for putting that together. Um, next week, it'll be a Rich and Bolelli episode again. For those of you guys who are not believers in the notion of parting with your hard-earned money to support podcasts, you can still use our Amazon link. That is a very sweet concept that doesn't cost you a dime, and you still help us out. So please do that. Click through our link when you go shopping. Shop away, just like you normally do. And a little tiny chunk of that corpless blood, soulless corporate blood money will come our way. I think this is going to be the last time we'll ever have an Amazon link, but it's totally worth it because that was a good... One. A little tiny chunk of that hard-working corporate soulless. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's all good. I'm trying. It's fine. It's, it's our last nickel ever. Totally good. Thank you also to Onnit for sponsoring us since forever. Those guys are awesome. Please check their website and see if there's anything you can get from them. We have promo code... Actually, it's not a promo code. You just add a Taoist to uh, onnit.com. So you go to onnit.com forward slash T-A-O-I-S-T. And you get all the goodies with a discount. Also, we thank, of course, Blue Chew for making us happy in more ways than one. 
We thank also the folks who are making it possible to have four episodes this month. A very, I think it's the first time ever that we get four episodes out in a month. So that is the sweet folks at MyBookie, since it's football gambling season and many people dig that. MyBookie is there to take care of you with promo code DAOIST. T A O I S T. Check them out. Uh, shout out to nevertapgear.com. Shout out to uh, snowroast.com for amazing coffee. And, uh, and of course, Grassland Beef, who's feeding us incredibly well, and we love them. Anything else that, well, of course, thank you to Daisy House for the music. Anything else we need to mention? Keepit.org keeps roaring on. $132,000 in loans from your fellow listeners. Just keep it up, everybody. We'll be at a quarter million before you know it, and that will be time for a party. So thanks for all of you helping out. Uh, give, get back, loan again, repeat. Keepit.org. That's it. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been you having know, a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. We'll, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's maybe too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?